0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Oh man, good job everybody. Also just want to say... Uh, Goodness gracious, church, y'all are singing good this morning. Could y'all hear it? Thank you. It was so good. <laughs> good work, everybody. Hey, if you have a Bible this morning, open up your Bibles to John chapter 15. And while you're doing that, uh, I do want to remind you that it is Father's Day. And uh, you, should, uh, you should call your dad. You should uh, buy him a steak or something. I don't know. Dad's like that. Don't we? That, yes, we do. We do. That's correct. Um, open up your Bibles to John chapter 15. Kate has already read the first eight verses of our text this morning, and I want to I read a few more verses. But before I do that, in case you haven't been with us for a minute, what we're doing right now is we're in a series here in John where we're just looking at all the I Am statements of Jesus. Seven times in John, Jesus says, I am something. He might say, I am the bread of life. He might say, I'm the resurrection of the li- and the life. Or, or maybe like today, he may say something like this. I'm the true vine. And then in verse five, he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And so that's, that's been our text. And, and Kate read the first bit. And I, I just want to continue on and read the next bit. So Whitman, can we put up uh, John chapter 15, starting in verse nine? This is what Jesus says. Going forward, he says, I have loved you. And he's talking to his disciples here. He's talking to us. I've loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and I remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you. To go and to produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. this is my commandment: love each other. We'll stop there. Uh, this is our text this morning. Jesus says he's the true vine, and, and here's what I want to do this morning. We could We could divide this passage in a lot of different ways, but I, here's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about being fruitful. Jesus says. In this passage, he says, I'm the true vine. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he says, if you remain in him and if he remains in you, that will produce fruit. He uses this phrase even, lasting fruit. And that's what I wanna talk about this morning. I wanna talk about being fruitful. Now, I don't know about you, but I wanna live a life of fruitfulness. Uh, Another way of saying this would be be something like this. Uh, I wanna live a life that produces something. Isn't that what fruit is? It's like the end of the harvest. You know, the point of a plant isn't just the plant. The point of the plant is that, it, that it, it produces something. And by the way, uh, even plants that we don't put in the garden, they produce fruit. I mean, it's the way we get more plants, isn't it? And I want to I wanna have a life. That's what Jesus is saying partly in this passage, that if we remain in him and if he remains in us, we can have a life that at the end of it, it makes something. It makes something. And, and I want to have, have something in my life that ends up being nourishing. Isn't that what fruit is? Fruit isn't just something, but it's something that, that's nourishing. And it's not just nourishing. We could go one step further. Uh, fruit is also satisfying. Jesus says in John chapter 15 that we could have a life that ends up being something. That you could have a life that ends up being nourishing. That you could have a life that ends up being satisfying. And, and by the way, that satisfaction, it's not just for me. It's not just for me but it's also satisfying for other people. Isn't that true? Yeah, like fruit is fruit is the thing that's shared. And there's also this note inside of fruit that has to do with multiplication too because how many of you understand that if you plant one kernel of corn in the ground, that kernel grows up and becomes a plant and it'll have two ears on it. And how many, how many kernels are on each of those ears? Hundreds, hundreds. So there's this note of multiplication. How many of you would like to have a life that ends up being more than like the individual sum of like your, your soul existence, right? So I want to have a life that is something. I want to have a life that is nourishing, uh, that, 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 that others can feed off of. I want to have a life that's satisfying. Uh, Then I want to also have a life that is, that is in some ways connected to, to multiplication that, that it it extends, it becomes bigger. It, it has an effect bigger than just like the sole impact of maybe just my own individual existence, this is what Jesus says Then we can have. I want my life to be marked by those adjectives. Uh, here's another way to say it. I want to be a giver and not just a taker. You know, Jesus says, uh, if he's the true vine, and if you remain in him and he remains in you, then you'll produce fruit. And, and part of what he's saying is that you could be the kind of person who at the end of your life becomes, becomes a giver and not just a taker. In fact, one of, the, one of the fundamental marks of maturity is that we begin to leave behind the impulse to always be a taker, you know, and we begin to lean into being a giver. Isn't that one of the main differences between like little children and adults? Little children are like, what? I want a popsicle. And then after you give them a popsicle, what do they want? Another popsicle. And I want, I want candy. And, I want that. and they watch TV. Do you guys remember watching TV and the toy commercials would come on? You'd look at your mom and you would say, what? I want that. Want, and that's good, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that. But then, but then as you grow up, one of the things that changes in your life is you begin to move. Hopefully, hopefully you begin to move from being just a taker to being a giver. What does that have to do? There's fruit in your life. You're becoming, you're becoming a supply. You're not just taking something in, but you're becoming a supply for others. This is what Jesus says that we could become. Uh, I want to be the sort of person who's overflowing and I want to be a person who has something to share. And in the context of today's message, uh, I want to harvest in my life that God can ferment. You know, Jesus says he's the vine and that we're the branches and will produce fruit. He says, he says he's the true vine and his, and his father is the gardener. And he's using this vineyard metaphor. And how many of you know that nobody grows grapes just to eat them? Like no sensible person is growing grapes. to eat. Like you don't do that no one does that. No one does that. No sensible person does that. And neither does Jesus. No, if you're growing grapes, you're going to make wine. I want to have some fruit in my life that God can ferment. And by the way, when you change grapes into wine, when you move from like just grape juice, like stuff little kids drink to wine, what you're doing is you're moving from something that's temporal to something that lasts. Like, Wine can last years. Like a good Bordeaux, a good Bordeaux can last 60 years in the bottle. And it doesn't just, it doesn't just remain in the bottle, but as it ages, it improves. It actually gets better. And, and by the way, this is a real low-key Bible way of talking about eternity. So when Jesus says he's the true vine and we're the branches and he wants to produce fruit, what he's saying is, is that he wants, he wants your life to have some meaning. He wants your life to become something productive, something nourishing, something sweet, something enjoyable. But there's this, this quieter metaphor that's at work in here. And what he is saying is he's saying his father would like to ferment the produce of your life, that there might be something eternal that remains. I want that for my life. You know, this is what I want for my life. And here's what I want to say about eternal life. Just for a moment, eternal life is a particular thing And because it's a particular thing, it emerges from a particular place and from particular conditions. It's kind of like soil that's filled with nutrients that grows the best stuff. A few days ago, I planted two tomatoes and two cucumbers. That's the extent of my gardening. Other people plant more. There's no need. I mean, literally, like, what are you you doing? You just want to hoe weeds? Is that what you want to do with your life? But I planted two tomatoes and I planted two cucumbers. And, but before I did it, we have this giant cow manure pile out on the corner of our farm. And I grabbed the tractor and went over and I grabbed a huge scoop of this stuff. And I, and I put it right in the spot where I was going to plant the, the tomatoes and the cucumbers. And we have this like little tiller attachment that goes on the back of the tractor. And I tilled that stuff in and uh, it smelled alive. It wasn't like, it wasn't wet cow manure it was like dried out cow manure, you know? You know what I'm talking about? And when you mix that stuff into the dirt, I mean, I came back the next day and the soil was, it was alive. And I planted my little tomatoes and cucumbers in there and within, it seemed like a day, they went from this to like this. Why? Because they were receiving the right nutrients, right? Like eternal life, it's the, it's the end result of some particular conditions, of a particular kind of soil, we might say. Uh, let me let me tell you one more story. Uh, one time, Heather and I were, we were traveling abroad. And, and while we were out, read for that, Not America. While we were out in Not America, basically what we ate for 10 days was variations on pork. We, we ate pig meat for 10 days. Every way you can have pig meat. And then we, we had bread and we had red wine. And, and by the way, I just want to say pork, red wine and bread that's a great combination but after 10 days can i tell you what i wanted i wanted a salad i was like god give me broccoli i need i need bro- i need it to be raw i need i need sal- i need like i need kale I, I will eat kale god you know i was i was praying we were talking we were in the airport we were like oh my god how good would it be if we could just eat like a bell pepper, you know, it was, we'd gotten so desperate. We had gotten so desperate. Uh, my, my body started to crave anything green and raw, anything. It was just like, oh my God, I need, I need an apple and I need a bell pepper. That's like what I need in my life. What is the story about? Well, it's just about, you can't live on pork bread and wine. Like you need some stuff if you're going to be able to make it, you know? You need some stuff. And and eternal life is is the same. Uh, It emerges from a particular atmosphere and a particular set of circumstances. And honestly, it it, it comes from a particular person, Uh, it comes from Jesus. So here's what I want to do to you this morning Um, I want to talk about uh, growing fruit that remains. And I want to do that in three different ways. I want to talk to you this morning about source. Uh, connection, And I want to talk to you about remaining. So if you're taking some notes, you might write down source, connection, and remaining. And we'll just kind of like flow through this passage for a moment. Uh, number one, source. Uh, first off, Jesus says that he is the true vine. So a couple of things here. Uh, number one, if Jesus is the true vine, there are false vines. So it would be good to, for everybody in the room just to, to take the words of Jesus quite seriously here. Uh, he says in John chapter 15, verse 1, that he is the true vine. And, and we have to understand that if he's the true vine, there, there must be some other vines in the world that you could hook yourself into, right? How many of you have spent any time? Don't raise your hands. How many have you have spent any time in your life uh, hooked into some other vines? Anybody ever done that? Uh, if you haven't, you probably will. And and one of the things that we can see from John chapter 15 is that there's an invitation from Jesus to let go of all the other vines, to let go of every other vine. He is the true vine. The image that Jesus is painting here is not simply one of vines and branches and fruit, but it's also, it's also an image of particularity. Uh, it's, an, it's an image of specificity. Uh, it's an image of, uh, I would even say singularity, and I think this is really important because it has to do with, with, with source, with source. There's only one true vine and, and the true vine is Jesus. You know, you can, you can look around. There's some other vines. You can get hooked into them. Uh, They will, they will provide for you a modicum of life or what feels like life. But in the end, in the end, uh, that vine will take from you. In the end, that vine will take from you. You know, Uh, give, give your life to acquisition. Like, Like tie yourself into uh, the American dream. Uh, Tie yourself into uh, everything needing to be up and to the right. Tie yourself into an American political party. And here's what will happen to you. Rather than you receiving life from the vine, those vines will take life from you every single time. Jesus is saying he's the true vine and he's saying something about particularity and singularity. And he's saying to us, there is one source for life and it's him. So the, there's an invitation for us this morning, church, to, to come to Jesus, to come to Jesus. We can't receive life from just any old random place and it turned out to be okay. We have to come to the source, come to Jesus uh, and, and and his roots. Here's the good news for us this morning. The roots of Jesus go deep into the soil. This is probably my favorite part of the image that that Jesus gives to us when he says that he's the true vine. Uh, if he's the true vine, then, then he has roots and they go into the soil. Anybody ever seen a grapevine? They've got roots. It goes into the soil. And he says, he's the vine and we're the branches. And how many of you know that the branches receive their life from the vine, but the, life is pu- the, the vine is pulling its life from where? The ground, right? There's, this, there's the image that Jesus is giving us goes something like this. Uh, through Jesus, there is life that's coming out of the ground, up and into us. What does this sound like? Resurrection. Jesus is saying even before his crucifixion, even before his death and resurrection, that, that there, is, there is a place for us to receive the life of God. And it is, it, it's always a resurrection place. It is coming out of the ground through Jesus and into us. And I hope you notice I hope you notice that invitation there, out of the ground and into the uppermost branches. So there's an invitation this morning. Come to the source and receive the life of the age to come. Come to the source and receive the sap of resurrection. By the way, you cannot get the sap of resurrection any place else other than Jesus. Come to the source and receive the nutrients that you need. Uh, draw on him like this morning you, you may be weary in your in your soul. Uh, this morning you you may be struggling. Uh, the vine of your life may be uh, a little on the limp side. You may you may not have much vigor. Uh, here's good news for you this morning. come to the source and draw on his life. Uh, number two, connection. I hope you noticed that when Jesus said that he was the vine and that we are the branches that this is a a word about connection. Think about a grapevine. I don't know if you've ever seen a grapevine before, but the vine comes out of the ground. Usually, uh, there's one part of the vine that kind of goes to the right and another part that goes to the left. And then all along those parts that go to the left and right, there are these little spurs. That's what they're called. They're called spurs. And then out of the spurs each year, two new branches emerge. And if you go and look at a grapevine... And if you examine the branches and if you examine the vine itself, one of the things that you'll find is that that it is impossible to distinguish where the vine ends and where the branch begins. So when Jesus says that he's the vine and we're the branches, he's saying something rather profound about the sort of connection that we have in God. There's the part that comes out of the ground. There are the branches that reach up into the sky, but, but they're connected And you can't tell where they connect. It's seamless. That's our connection to the true vine. Uh, One of the things that I would like to say to everyone in the room is is this. You're more connected to God than you even know. You you are more connected to God than you even know. And it really has little to do with the way you feel. You know, there are days where it feels like God is very close. Uh, There are other days where it feels like God is a million miles away. Uh, There are days... There are days like Wednesday, this last week, when it's 180 degrees. And I thought, we've arrived in hell. And it's come two months early. Like, what? Who sinned? That's what I was thinking all day long. I was like, there's sin in the camp. Like, we're going to have to throw someone into the volcano. You know, and it feels like there's not a God. We've been forsaken, you know? Even on days like that, the truth is he's the vine and we're the branches and you literally can't tell, you literally can't tell where they connect. It's its seamless. Even on days where it feels like God's a million miles away, uh, you may be here this morning and you may feel like you're the biggest sinner in the world. You've, you may feel like you've really screwed it up. Uh, here's the good news. Here's the good news. If you will come to the source, there can be a connection in your life to God that will never let go. And Regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you feel, it remains. It anchors you to the ground. Uh, it is providing you with the nutrients of resurrection. It doesn't really matter how you feel. You know, some of us here feel disconnected. Some of us may wonder where the sparkle is. We've been talking about coming to the source. Um, here's what I would like to say this morning. It's, it's more about waking up to the source, You're already connected. It's one of the things I love about John chapter 15. There's the assumption of connectedness. You know, Jesus says, he's the vine, we're the branches. Everybody's a branch, you know? And then there's that word in there about like, well, there's some that produce fruit and some that don't. And everybody, you know, you prune some off. We'll come to that in a moment. But how many of you know that like the beginning of this, the beginning of this parable, it assumes everybody's connected. Yeah, it's it's less about coming to the source. It's mostly about waking up to the source you're already connected to and not running away from it. You're really already connected. The life of God is coming to you even now. And then finally, number three, I wanna talk to you about remaining. Did you notice how many times the word remain occurs in John chapter 15? It's 10 times in less than 10 verses. Jesus uses the word remain. Remain. I actually think that's important, especially, especially in an image where Jesus is saying we're connected and we're connected in ways that we can, we can scarcely even begin to articulate. We're so finely and seamlessly connected. The important thing in a world like that is to remain. So Jesus says remain 10 times, 10 times in 10 verses. Uh, you may not be a Bible scholar. Uh, I'm not either. But one of the things you got to know is that when Jesus says something 10 times, in about two paragraphs, you got to pay attention to that. It's, it's like the repetition in a pop song, you know? You know why they, they sing the same things over and over in a pop song? So you'll remember it. It's like, give me the hook, right? Uh, it's to reinforce the theme. And the theme here is that if you want to be fruitful, you got to remain. Now, now, here's what I love. We've already, we've already seen this note about connection. So the issue, the issue is not about getting in, or being included, it appears that you and I are already connected to the vine. The issue is on remaining. That's actually a really big deal. Uh, The issue is not about getting in or being included. It's about remaining. Uh, And in the words of Jesus in this passage, there are at least two kinds of remaining. Jesus says, uh, let my words remain in you. He He says, let my words remain in you. And when he says, let my words remain in you, uh, he, he means something like this. If you're connected to the vine, if you're connected to Jesus, uh, you're going to get his words. Uh, you'll get his teaching. You'll get his ways. Uh, let, let the teaching of Jesus remain in you. Let, let Matthew 5, 6, and 7 deeply form you. Like reject everything else. Like if you don't get anything else, if you want to burn all of your Bible, don't burn it all. Rip out Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And if you had only those pages, let them remain in you. This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, you're the the branches, I'm the vine. Let my words remain in you. If you want to have a life that produces the the fruit of of, of eternal life, you're going to to need enemy forgiving. Because that's what the eternal one does. He forgives his enemies. Uh, And he starts with us, right? Uh, If you want to have a life that has... The life of the kingdom in it, you're gonna, you're gonna need to let the words of Jesus remain in you. Things like, like when you give, give in secret. And when you pray, pray in secret. And when you fast, fast in secret. And when you get spoken of poorly, uh, bless that person. That's a really hard one. But if you wanna have the life of the kingdom, those are the words that have to remain in you, you know? So remain in those words. Places. It's why it's why he gives the promise in verse 7. With me, can we put it up 15, 7, please? This is an amazing promise from Jesus. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. How many of you, how many of you read that and you're like, This is Genie Jesus? I didn't know this was here. Jesus. I want a Maserati in your name. Amen. Amen. Right? Women, can we put that back up? Let's just leave that up for a second because it's pretty great. But, but look at what Jesus is really, like, that's like the surface reading. We, you know, we're good Americans. We like stuff and we want to build a bigger barn to put our stuff in. So we read it with American eyes and we're like, Jesus is going to give us Maseratis and vacations. But if you read it past the surface cultural reading that we're queued up with, how many of you know it goes something like this? Jesus is saying, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything. Wait a minute. So if if the words of Jesus have remained in me, what words am I asking with? The words of Jesus, right? Yeah, he's talking about becoming a particular kind of person. Do you see that? This is why we want to become a particular kind of person. If the words of Jesus remain in us, then the very words we would ask with would be the words of Jesus. They would be words filled with eternal life. What a promise. Second kind of remaining. The second remaining in John chapter 15 is to remain in his love. Jesus says, remain in my love. Uh, He's not saying, he's not saying, act nice so you'll be loved. It's a really important note there. He's not saying be good so, you, so I can love you. He's saying remain in my love. The implication is you're already loved. You're already connected. John chapter 15, here's the message. You're already connected more than you know. You're already loved. The words and the, the life of the, the kingdom of resurrection are literally coming to you. Remain in my love. Let his affection keep you close to him. And then he says this curious thing. He says that remaining in his love has to do with obeying his commandments. And Jesus is connecting two words that usually aren't connected for us, love and obedience. We don't love those words. Uh, In our minds, love is freedom, right? (laughs) Love is freedom. We just want to paint our faces like William Wallace and Make the speech, you know. But for disciples, love is a kind of constraint. Jesus says, if you want to remain in his love, you, you got to obey his commandments. And so love is a kind of constraint. Live close to the ways of Jesus. But notice this. Notice that in our passage this morning, there's only one command in view. Wait a minute, Can we put up verse 12? Jesus says, you know what? If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. But look at what his his command is. In John chapter 15, there's only one command. Love each other in the way that I've loved you. And then in verse 17, Whitman, can we put it up, please? This is my command, love each other. Isn't this amazing? All right, let's go back to the image of the vine and the branches here for a moment. Uh, You got Jesus, he's the vine. And then out of the vine, all these branches come up. And uh, if he's the vine and we're the branches, how many of you know, we're all, we're all close in this vineyard and the branches can't run away. It's, it's actually pretty profound teaching. Like, like Jesus is going to keep us all next to each other. The branches can't run away. Okay. So now look around the room. Everybody look around the room. Cause this is a vineyard. Like we're actually even in rows. Okay. So there's probably some people here you like. And there's probably a person or two here you struggle with. And the only command that's in view with respect to remaining in the love of Jesus, the only command, the only thing that he's saying to obey in John chapter 15 is love these people who are in the rows with you. The ones you literally can't run away from love them in the way that he has loved us. And by the way, uh, if you if you want to leave the vineyard, you can leave the vineyard. We're not a cult. Like you can, <laughs> you can you can leave. But here's the problem. I'm going to tell you the problem. You can leave the vineyard. It that's I mean we'll be sad. We'll we'll be like remember that person they used to be here. they were awesome now they're not here and that's sad. But here's the thing. Like if something here like torques you and then you leave you you guys realize that whoever torqued you is going to be at Kroger. <laughs> like this vineyard row, it's not just in this building. It's literally all over town and you can't get away from the branches. Like it's, it's one of the gifts of a small town is you, you cannot get away from the branches. Like the thing you got grafted into, you can't get out of, you can't get out of. And it's the only thing that's in view in John chapter 15 When Jesus says to remain in his love, he says, obey my commands. The only command is love others the way I've loved you. And you can't run away. The branches don't get away. Remain in his love. A fruitful life is essentially boiled down to this. Can we love each other? And notice this, uh, the love that Jesus describes is not about emotions. It's not anti-emotion. It's just not dependent on emotion. Jesus says, There is no greater love than the person who lays down his life for his friends. Uh, He doesn't say there's no greater love than the person who feels affection for everyone around him at high levels all the time. And by the way, aren't you glad? Because here's what Jesus' kind of love means. It means that we can love people even when we don't feel like it. It means you can actually love people with gritted teeth. That's not the message you hear every day. You can actually grit your teeth and love people. Because the, the way that Jesus defines love is service laying down your life for others. That's what Jesus did. And so, and so we can actually do this even when, we don't, even when we don't feel like it. And we can do it because we're connected to him. And that's the life that's coming to us. It's not just any kind of life. It's the life of Jesus. Okay, before we wrap this morning, dang, how is it already 11.05? I'm sorry. Too many stories about pork meat. <laughs> Some of you are like, I wish you would stop saying that. (laughs) I've just been enjoying how awkward those two words sound together. Um, One more thing about this passage. One more thing about this passage, because some of you, some of you were not just comforted by this passage. Some of you were a little disturbed by this passage because there's this one note in the passage that is a little disturbing. Uh, Do you guys remember that part where Jesus is like, well, the branches that produce fruit, they'll get pruned. Why? Why? So they can produce more fruit. And the branches that don't produce fruit, what happens to them? They get cut off and then what happens? They get thrown in the fire. And how many of you know that when Jesus said it, he wasn't joking, right? Some of you are like, wait a minute. What about that one part over there about the fire? You know, well, let me just, let me talk to you about that for a second. Um, Number one, number one. I hope you notice that uh, in Jesus's summation of the vineyard, all the branches get cut. So if you're a fruitful branch, you get pruned. And if you're an unfruitful branch, you get pruned. So everybody's getting cut. So eventually, eventually the father is going to come and reduce your life eventually. And the point of his reduction is that you might be more fruitful. So that's just like number one. But but number two, number two, I would like to offer you a different reading on the branches that get thrown into the fire for a moment. And I would like to offer you this reading uh, from someone who actually owns a vineyard and knows what happens in a vineyard. Every single year in February, we prune the vineyard, and we gather up all the branches, and we get rid of them. And you know what happens? You know what happens even if you have a vine that has an unfruitful branch, and you prune it off, and you take that unfruitful vine, and you throw it in the fire, and you discard it? Can I tell you what happens the next year? another vine comes out Sometimes we read these words of Jesus and we think he's talking he's talking like eternal forever and here's what I think I think Jesus is saying I think Jesus is saying even in this portion of scripture that feels really hard I think Jesus is talking about second chances How many of you have ever had an unfruitful year How many of you have an area of your life that's currently unfruitful? Maybe not your whole life, but there's just an area of your life. It's just like, it's not fruitful. Maybe maybe there's a part of your family you're not getting along with, or maybe there's a piece of your own walk with God that seems to be dead and decaying, or maybe, maybe there's something in your life that's flourishing, but then there's this other thing that's just not great. And by the way, this can actually happen in a real grapevine. You can have a grapevine where half of it produces incredible and the other half like doesn't do anything. And Jesus is saying we're going to take the fruitful vines and we're going to reduce them so that they'll be more fruitful and the ones that don't produce anything, we're going to cut those off and we're going to make a fire. Um, here's what I'd like to say. Even those unfruitful vines, they get another chance next year. They get another chance next year. In the vineyard, we... We prune every single year and unfruitful branches, unfruitful branches. They just might become fruitful ones with proper care and attention. And so, and so here's what I would like to say to the church this morning. Uh, The good news is, is that no one has to perpetually be unfruitful, remain in his love, remain in his words, let his words remain in you. And even those unfruitful portions can come back to life because as we noted in the beginning, the life that's coming to us is the life that comes out of the ground. And so at a fundamental place, this this passage in this parable is about receiving resurrection, which is all about dead and unfruitful things coming back to life. And that could be anything like that could be your faith. It could be your relationships, it could be, it could be your job, it could be what feels like your future. Uh, Maybe, maybe you're 50 years old And it feels like you've maybe mostly wasted everything up to this point. Can I just tell you something? Good news. The father is going to cut off everything in you that is unfruitful and he's going to do it not as a punishment, but so that you will not be distracted any longer with unfruitful things so that the roots of your life will not be uh, forced into things that are producing nothing. Like even, even those kinds of of, of prunings from God, they are mercy to us that, that the life we receive, the life of resurrection out of the ground from Jesus, it might come to us and that we might give our energy to a new thing. Even if you've wasted five decades of your life, Hey, good, good news this morning. You came to the vineyard and, and here's the message. The life of resurrection out of the ground from the vine, the true vine, it can come to you. You are seamlessly connected. And even if you've had a huge season of unfruitfulness, the next 40 could, could be completely different. And it could start today. Like it could literally start today. This is the gospel, no matter where you're at, no matter if you've been fruitful or not. And if you've been fruitful, good news, the father is going to reduce your life He's going to reduce it so that you might become more fruitful. Let me tell you one more thing about a vineyard. You have to reduce the vines in the vineyard if you want to have good wine. You can't let that vine just do anything at it once. It'll grow a vine that's 40 feet long and it'll put all of its energy into making a long runner and it'll put none of its energy into producing fruit that ripens and remains. Like even if you've had a decent run, maybe you're 30 and you're killing it, you know? Maybe maybe you love your wife and you're hashtag blessed. And maybe, <laughs> and, and, and maybe you have a lot of money and you even have friends. Maybe... And maybe you have kids that don't hate you. And literally you look at everything and you go, everything is working. Uh, here's the good news. The father wants to come to your life and he wants to reduce it in some profound ways that you might become more fruitful, more fruitful. And so, so here, here's where we're at this morning. We, we literally want to ask the, the father to come into this vineyard and to prune us. Uh, we, we want to be people who are brave enough to say, God, would you, would you Prune my life. Would you take the, the the branches that have been fruitful, and would you reduce them that the fruit might become even more plentiful? And God, the areas in my life that are that are that are barren, that have that have that have slacked off and have come to nothing. God, would you cut those off? And literally, would you throw them in the fire? Like literally, would you throw them in the fire that we might have another chance in another year to see the life of the kingdom, the age to come to break in like right out of the ground. Would you cause it to go and would you cause it to, to begin to stir in my heart? That's the prayer this morning at the vineyard, wherever you're at, fruitful or not, good or not, uh, going great, going terrible. This is where we're at. We need the life of Jesus and we need the hand and the caring eye of the father to come and walk down every single row. That's our prayer. If you're on the worship team this morning, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.